This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! This is Love of the Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Super Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday uh, on 105 Through the Fan. He is also the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, we are just hours away from hopping on a flight to Oxnard, California, to take in some Dallas Cowboys training camp. It is, for my money, it is the best part of the year. Optimism's up. Everybody feels good. The weather's great. You get all the uh, you, you get all the fun of football without any of it really counting and, and getting anybody upset. It's just a great time of year. No, it absolutely is, Bobby. And and you know it, the exciting thing about it to me is the the start of the new season and. Trust me, I wish I could be out there for every single practice that they have. That was one of the great advantages of working with uh, DallasCowboys.com is that uh, that you got that ability to be there on the tennis court uh, talking about it, and then you go in the practice field and you evaluate it. And, you know, it just it, – there's so many things you can learn from being out there. And – you know, I'm really excited and grateful for the days that we get to do this. I, I I will say this, for a guy that always tried to get Jason Garrett fired, I miss him. And I miss him for this reason. I miss him because I looked at the practice schedule. And I don't know if this oh. has to do – I don't know if this has to do with uh, the collective bargaining agreement. But I know we're out there 10 days, and I think we get to see six practices. You know, and yeah. I just, I love the weather. I love the camaraderie. I love seeing a lot of our colleagues out there. I love watching practice more. And it, I felt like with the Garrett administration, I was practicing every day. And there was something that I could watch every day. So uh, shame on me for wanting to move on from Jason Garrett and or shame on me for wishing that they'd get the collective bargaining agreement uh, how it is because – uh, there are some days where there'll be some downtime, but that'll give us some opportunities uh, to reflect on, uh, you know, what's happened the previous two days that we could yep. we could kind of sink our teeth into. Yeah, absolutely, and and yeah, I think it is. I, I don't know how much of it is CBA. I mean, maybe some of it is, but I think also what what you're looking at here is, uh, you know, McCarthy prides himself on keeping his teams healthy. He does, sure does. And so I think he he doesn't want to overload guys. He doesn't, you know, we saw that famous clip of him talking about Zeke and his first uh, that on that hard knocks where he said Stephen Jones, yeah, yeah, he said he does, Zeke doesn't need to carry a ball this uh, like this August, yeah. and, and that's that's kind of how he feels about some of this. Because yeah, we used to get the morning walkthrough and then we'd get the full practice, and the, the full practice I felt it was like, a full practice. Was yeah, a full it went practice. It yeah. went longer, and there was more that they were doing in it. Um, but you know what? It's still great to go out there. It's going to be really fun. Uh, I can't wait to hang out and, and uh, get a look at everybody. Yeah, Bobby, I, you know, the thing that I hope, and we're not seeing them work against another team, and I, I hope I'm not jumping ahead. There was a question in our mailbag about, you know, the practices and why mm-hmm. you wouldn't work with the team. And, 
you know, my my approach is that this roster is good enough to where if the practices are scheduled correctly and the way that they work in the practice, if you get the one-on-one stuff, and that's my hope. I, I'm not looking to see guys get embarrassed or try and call them out for not covering a guy or right. not being able to block a guy. I, I'm not interested in calling out that. But I'm interested in seeing the competitive aspect of the practice. And, you know, that if the practices are scheduled correctly, then you're able to get that ability to see what you have. And I don't know if Mike's into into all that one-on-one stuff. I just don't feel like that last year, and maybe I'm wrong about this, Bobby, maybe the one-on-one stuff was less. I just don't. Again, it goes back to the the Jason Garrett administration where I felt like I was seeing one-on-one linebackers and tight ends and running backs and linebackers and safeties and tight ends and offense and defensive linemen. You know, I I didn't feel like there was a lot of that. And there there were some long team periods, too, that you could see some pretty good competition from. So... My hope is that uh, that we you know that we do get that kind of evaluation and are able to kind of convey uh, those thoughts to the, our loyal listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, we'll as uh, I believe it's Nick Eatman has has said about you that you know you can uh, you can create one of those NFL films like year in review uh type of things just from a walkthrough practice so you'll give us all the you'll give us all the scouting notes uh and and it'll sound like you know the most competitive football game you've ever ever heard described just by you know tell us about a walkthrough so we'll get that to you one of the guys we're not sure will be at that first walkthrough practice and then any of the other practices immediately is zach martin this is something we uh that broke after our last episode last week Adam Schefter tweeting late last week that Cowboys six-time All-Pro guard and team captain Zach Martin is considering not reporting to training camp due to his unhappiness with his contract and the team's lack of interest in restructuring it per sources. Martin believes he is, quote, woefully underpaid relative to the market. Martin is scheduled to make about $7 million less this season than the NFL's top-paid guard. So, as we look at this as it stands now, Zach Martin signed a six-year, $84 million extension ahead of the 2018 season. That was his fifth year, so it was heading into the fifth-year option as being a first-round pick. Uh, they've restructured his deal each of the past three seasons. So they've had different you know, uh, tricks that they've done, accounting tricks to try and free up some money. There's two years left on it and $27.5 million. Um, and there's two more years on top of that, but they're void years. It's just an accounting trick. So if you ever look up his contract, it looks like there's four years left on it. There's just two. But Zach Martin's average salary is $14 million a year, and that ranks ninth amongst guards in the NFL. It's 10th among interior offensive linemen. It's 31st among offensive linemen and is tied for 136th among all players in the NFL. So, Brian... I think we both agree. You sound like you're Zach Martin's agent right now. No, negotiating. I'm, I'm just I'm just listing what it is. You're, uh, you're not lying. You're not lying this is, at all. Yeah, look, I mean that's what happens when you you know you sign a deal and and you haven't tried to do anything with it in five years. The market changes over five years. So yeah, this is this is gonna be where we're at. I, I'm I'm really intrigued by the idea of him not Zach Martin is one of the last players I would think would would go for a power play. Um, which we'll, we'll talk about maybe some of the chess being played here between Zach Martin's camp and, and the Cowboys here in just a second. But he was one of the guys I, I we didn't hear many rumblings that this was on the horizon, that, that he could be missing camp or that he was really unhappy with his contract or anything else, um, which again, I think speaks to the conversations he probably had were kept very close and in-house because he doesn't, he is a pro. He doesn't want that stuff getting out typically. Um, but it's just now the Cowboys are in a bit of an interesting spot where Mike McCarthy has spent all offseason saying, I want to run the damn ball, and you're not going to be able to run the damn ball at all if Zach Martin's not here playing. I think Zach Martin is getting near the end of his career. I would say, you know, he, he in theory, not definitely, but it wouldn't stun me if this was his last year or if, you know, he gets to the end of this deal, the last two years on this deal, and he says, all right, that's it, I'm done, we, we can hang it up now. He is going to be 33 this year. Uh, in fact, he may already be 33, but it's – it's just it's it's a, a 
a tense situation just in, in the reality of missing your Hall of Fame offensive lineman. But what are your thoughts in general, I guess, on Zach Martin looking for a new deal? What you think the prospects are of them getting something done? Um, just kind of your overall takeaway from this report. Yeah, it's um, at one time, though, as you mentioned, Zach Martin was the highest paid guard in the league. Yep. And so what happens to you uh, as that goes along is that you then become not the highest paid at your position. Others, you know, step up. Others, uh, other teams, you know, draft, develop, sign, extend, you know, their players. And then ultimately you're kind of left behind in those numbers that are kind of uh, when you look at Zach Martin, you know, it's – you know, we're just we're we're being reminded of what a great player he is when it comes to in the uh, off season or near you know in the off season or near when training camps open when we get all these lists of the best of the bests and we get rankings and we see that he's one of the top interior linemen still in football he's one of the top interior linemen when uh, it comes to the uh, I don't know why people are so interested in it, but they are when it comes to Madden ratings and stuff like that. I mean, it's an iconic game. It really is. Yeah. It's it's iconic. And, you know, players and players react to it like, oh, you kidding me? I'm I'm better than that. You know, so obviously, you know, Zach Martin for a long time um, has played at a very, very high level and, you know, is deserving of the salary that he's been receiving for that. I, I will say this. I think playing next to Tyron Smith last year, there were some times that probably wasn't his best, you know. But you put him next to Terrence Steele, they are a really good combination over there. And all indications are that Terrence Steele will be back and ready to go. And so, you know, that's a real positive, not only for Terrence, but also for Zach Martin. Uh, so I kind of feel like a couple of different things are going to happen. I don't know if they're going to get completely all the way back to $7 million, Bobby. I, I don't. Could we get back to potentially half that? You know, again, this is not anything that I've had conversations with, uh, you know, Adam Pacifica or anybody like that in the front office that runs the cap stuff. This is just, you know, conversation. I, I know Todd Archer and I had a conversation. I know Todd Archer even put this uh, put this out that, there was a time, Bobby, when you were in um, when you were in Indianapolis at the combine, that there were some mentions about Zach's contract on the bus while they were in Indianapolis, and it didn't, it just didn't materialize into anything of substance. Yeah. So that, it's something that they thought about, but you know, didn't react to. You know, and, and you know, Zach is Zach has got a, a point, but you know, at one time. You know, he chose the long-term. He chose the long-term security of the contract over the shorter deals. And when you do that, then you know, as that contract plays, as I've been talking about, you be go from the highest to probably the the least paid guy in, in, of the bunch. And you know, but my my gut, you know, is that somehow, some way. The Cowboys will find a way to, I don't think necessarily meet him on the full amount of the contract extension, but maybe a partial, maybe two, three million dollars more, somehow, some way. Very creative group over there with the Cowboys, and you know maybe they'll figure out things that way, and then Zach will ultimately be okay with that. I don't think Zach wants to retire because if he retires, I've learned that he has to repay money i don't think he wants to do that and the fact that he involves if he's a union player then a fifty thousand dollar a day fine uh could be implemented uh and that the cowboys have no control over that and then he also that's a fine that that's not get rescinded so that's money coming out of his pocket so there's a lot of things that are collectively bargained here uh that can affect his decision for how long that he wants to sit out. 
Yeah, I think, and uh, all those are, are, are really good points. I think that was uh, a good summary and a good overview of everything that we're looking at here. I'll say that my sense just talking to, to folks over the last week or so is that I, I don't think this is bitter. Like, like no. I don't think anybody's bitter. No, no. Um, this is not, this is not reached any, this hasn't reached the levels of like, you know, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence's second franchise tag. We're not there yet. Um, in fact, it feels like, I think there's optimism from Zach Martin's camp. There's optimism from the Cowboys side that, Hey, we're going to figure this out. It's, right. it's going to get resolved. Um, I don't think anybody believes this is something that will lead up to like, Hey, we're getting close to the season. you know, or is he going to be here? My sense is I would be. I would be surprised if he's not back with this settled by the time we, you, me, the, the 105 for the fan, by the time we leave Oxnard on August 4th. And so I'm not saying that I, I can be completely wrong on that. You guys can old takes expose me later if you need, if I'm wrong about it. But I, I'm, I'm not ruling out the possibility that I could be wrong. But my sense just from talking to everybody is the, the folks I've spoken with have said, it would be a surprise if they didn't figure this out in the yeah. next two weeks. I agree. I agree. So you can old take me as well or old <laughs> take this show if you want. I, I just don't think there's a lot of hostility going on right now. This is something that, again, was brought up in, you know, when the combine was rolling around in February, March, that area. So yeah, I, I think this is something that they kind of realize and, Again, it, it you know it might not be the full amount, but there'll be some there'll be some uh, of some give back, I believe, by the Cowboys. Yeah, and it's I think it's interesting when you mentioned the combine. Let's think about it in those terms real quick, and then we're, we'll move on to this segment here in just a sec. But um, when you talk about the fact that it happened at the combine and we haven't heard anything about it, yeah, here the he might he might hold out and things like that. I, my theory, nobody sold me this. My theory would be that this is clearly Zach Martin's camp leaking this. It's talking about how Zach Martin feels about it. My sense is that this is Zach Martin trying to give them a little bit of a kick in the pants. Like, guys, come on, let's get this done. That That's more just, all right, we're just going to publicly put this out there now, what we've been talking about, because this is just your, this is your nudge to remind you we've got to get this done. And so that's what I think this is. I think the Cowboys would love, honestly, I mentioned that in the next two weeks, I think that they, they'll likely get it done. I think the Cowboys would love for this to be done, figured out before Jerry and Steven and Mike McCarthy have to sit up there on the tennis courts in Oxnard and talk to people on Tuesday. Uh, I don't think they want to spend the whole time answering questions about that. Um, now, now they, I'm, I'd be surprised if God done that quickly, but I do think within the next two weeks, you'll see it solved. I don't, I don't think this is panic time at all. Um, and, and I think that they're still in good standing with each other, Zach Martin and the Cowboys. All right. You are listening to the love of the star podcast. The love of the stars an odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian. So we are heading to Oxnard, as we've been talking about here. And that means with training camp comes 
one of the more popular topics we get into every time, every August, every training camp run, we always talk about the bubble guys. Who's on the bubble? How many spots are there? What kind of players are we looking at? So I've got a few names here, Brian, of guys that as we head into uh, training camp, guys that I think are on the bubble, and then maybe a few guys that you can tell me if you think they're on the bubble, if they deserve to be on there. Because I wasn't quite sure if I should include them as being on the bubble. Uh, let's go with this first group here, the ones that I think are the the blinking red light at the moment in terms of these are bubble players right here, uh, big names, big investments who are on the bubble. The first one's right off the top to me, Brian. I think this is a very important camp for both Kelvin Joseph and Deshaun Wright. Yeah, I would agree so too. And, you know, both of these gentlemen, I will say this about Kelvin Joseph. He has developed toughness as yep. a special teams player. Um, there's times where he has not shown awareness when it comes to locating when the receiver has a fair catch signal going up or might lose track of where the ball is. Uh, I like the prospect of him potentially playing some safety. And it doesn't sound like a very good fit when I describe a player that doesn't have awareness at times that how could he be a safety? Because one of the things you have to have is the ability to see the field and you have to have the ability to react. And I think with I think with uh, with Kelvin Joseph, he's proven he has toughness. He's proven he could tackle. He's you know, there's times where he's shown the ability to cover, but he's also given up plays too. And he's one of those it's almost like with a Wouzier at the time where you're in yeah. position and you just can't finish. And maybe that's his legacy as a corner, but as a safety, it might be a different, uh, a different, uh, a, a different path there. So I totally agree with you, uh, you know, on that. And, you know, as, as far as, you know, Deshaun Wright, Deshaun Wright, that's another Dan Quinn guy. That is a, you know, that is one of those things where, you know, Dan Quinn really put his, uh, you know, put his, uh, his, uh, put it out there for, uh, you know, for the draft. And, you know, he's kind of been a guy that's looking for a place, looking for an opportunity. And, you know, for where he was selected, there was, you know, there was a lot more. Uh, there was a lot more thought about, hey, this guy can help us. This guy could be a potential starter, or this guy could be a sub player. And he he hasn't quite shown that he's ready for any of those things that I just talked about. Would you say that Wright and Joseph are in the exact same spot with the Cowboys, or do you think the Cowboys might be willing to have more patience with Joseph, or might be willing to have more patience with Wright, or do you think they view them completely similar as like you guys both? Are, have equal amounts of pressure on you, and we both have the same amount of rope here with you guys. They've gotten more benefit out of Joseph than they have Wright. They know mm -hmm. that Joseph could play special teams and play it at a high level. And I also, think that, also to be fair, have gotten more headaches out of Joseph than Wright. And absolutely, and absolutely, as well as, yeah, as something they have to consider. Absolutely, and so. Um, I think that the guy that has the little bit longer of the rope would be Joseph over Wright. If you said, you know, who's got the ability to potentially play another position, but we've also seen him be a core special teams guy and be pretty effective at it. Now, the guy I didn't put in here, I didn't put on this list, and, and I'm wondering, should I have? Is it going to be competitive enough? Or are they going to defer to these young guys. Maybe they don't want to let Kelvin Joseph or Nashawn Wright go. Uh, you can save almost $5 million if you release Jordan Lewis. And Jordan Lewis is an older player now who's coming off a pretty significant injury. I, I wasn't sure if I should put him on there. Do you think he'll be somebody that we're talking about as a bubble player? Well, what we have to keep an eye on is that, you know, will, will Jordan Lewis be a guy that potentially – uh, is he completely ready and completely healed for practices? You know, yeah. That, that's something that and, – and you could say that about all these guys. I mean, there's always the potential of guys, you know, going on that, uh, that pup list, 
you know, and, and, you know, not starting practice, uh, when everybody else is. So, uh, there's a list of those guys, the Terrence Steeles, but I think maybe if you look at the top of the list of guys that we probably know the least about them being ready to go would be Jordan Lewis. It's one of those things when we get to Oxnard, is that going to be one of the announcements that we see, or is that one of the announcements that's going to be made? Uh, is he healthy enough to go? Because the other ones I kind of have a feeling about. Yeah. You know, I have a feeling about that you know, they'll be ready to go with him. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. So I think we'll have to keep an eye. And, and you know, if that's the case, say he doesn't, if he if he's not on the initial list of guys, uh, then, you know, then you're in a situation where, uh, you know, he's not competing off the jump. And now the team is having to practice without him. And now the other guys are getting ahead of him on. Because, you know, Bland is, you know, everybody's talking about Bland. And you know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm the guy that's even talking about is, you know, is Bland one of the, you know, two best corners on this team, you know, and so, uh, but yeah, with Jordan Lewis, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of unknown about him right now. Let's see if, in fact, he, he's able to, to answer the bell uh, when we get to Oxnard, at least to start out with. Similarly, on the defensive side of the ball, you take a look at some young guys that they've invested draft capital in, not as high as somebody like Kelvin Joseph. Um, in one instance, similar uh, draft capital in the Sean Wright. But your your one techniques inside, your Neville Gallimore and your Quentin Bohanna, both of those guys, I think, yeah. I think they're fighting each other for a job. So in that sense, they're both on the bubble, and one of them is going to win that spot. I, I don't think both these guys are on the 53-man roster this year. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, Bobby. And and it was so strange last year when I was doing games on the radio on 105.3, the fan preseason games. And, you know, Brad Sham was, would set the lineup in, you know, start the second half of a preseason game. And there's Neville Gallimore out there playing. And you're wondering, wait a minute, is something going on injury-wise that's keeping – you know, keeping somebody else from being on and, you know, Neville Gallimore getting a rest. And then, you know, you being our insider for 105.3, the fan, we're kind of talking about that, wait a minute, there's some, you know, maybe this guy's in the doghouse a little bit. Maybe there's some concerns about physical conditioning, his weight, his attitude. I mean, I mean I'm just throwing out stuff yeah. that potentially not something that you tagged him with, but stuff that, you know, that – that people were maybe hinting to that could been could have been things that that you know kept him from being part of the normal rotation and you know that's when when a veteran player is playing in a third and fourth quarter of a preseason game that's the kind of stuff that gets your attention and yeah. you know we'll see what kind of off season that he's had Quentin Bohanna to me Bobby when I've watched him play He's not the same player that was at Kentucky. You know, gets, I remember, gets moved I, gets moved far too easy for a game. way too easy. I remember I remember watching uh, Jamin Davis, who plays for the Washington Commanders, who who was a linebacker. Seemed like he made every play at Kentucky, and a lot of it had to do with Quinton Bohanna being in front of him and not getting turned and not getting knocked off the ball and yeah. holding stout at the point of attack. He. There was things that he was very – I mean, there were traits that he had that very much similar to what Mozzie Smith plays with at Michigan. You know, you could see him or, or, uh, or, uh, you know, Jonathan Hankins. You didn't see him get moved at Kentucky. And here with the Cowboys, he's, he's getting moved, turned, uh, pushed out of position far too much. So, yeah, I think both those one techniques are, are clearly, clearly, and it's now it's kind of a deep position because of Mozzie and then also because what you have with Jonathan Hankins as well. Another name here, and this is one where I think the he's on the bubble, but it's more going to be the Cowboys, I think, are going to give him every opportunity to secure a spot. They want him here, uh, but if he doesn't show up, then they're not going to have any qualms with letting him go and giving the roster spot to somebody else, and that's Jabril Cox. 
I, I think that Cox is a guy yeah. that because of their linebacker numbers, it'd be very easy for them to say, just show up. If you show up a little, we've got a spot for you. But if you don't, if you can't show us something here in year three, like we can't play around with this much longer. Bobby, I'm really glad that you brought this one up. And I was concerned that we might not, and it might have to be me looking deep, deep, deep into this and trying to think, okay, you know, who is a guy that needs if, – if if, this to me is the defensive version of Jalen Tolbert is what this is. Yeah. And, and I mean that in a way of you've got to go out there and you've got to show people that you're capable of making play after play after play. You're capable of being in the right spot. You're capable of finishing plays. You're capable of, of, of you know, doing the things necessary to secure their spot. I have big-time questions about the depth at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Jabril Cox is number one on my list as a guy that I have questions about. And he needs to show up just like Jalen Tolbert. And I – I think they're giving Jalen Tolbert every opportunity to make this football team. They didn't address the wide receiver. Okay, they did address the wide receiver, but what, seventh round with the yeah. receiver from Sixth South Carolina? Sixth or whatever it was, Sixth, yeah. Sixth, seventh round, yeah, whatever it was. Uh, you know, but it was late in the draft. I think that I think that they'd like, they want Tolbert to show up, and like you said, I think they want Jabril Cox to show up. And if Jabril Cox – Goes out there and you know flops around, gets knee sprain, you know something. I mean, it, it just it's just going to lead to more just dissatisfaction of the player, and that's from my end of it, and maybe your end of it too. Well, I don't know what the yeah. Cowboys, I don't know how the Cowboys would feel about that, but they need him to step up. They really, really do. Absolutely, and I think I think that's why if he's because of the, where their depth is right now. Like I said, if they, they, I think they're kind of just approaching this with just show us something and you'll make it. Like, but if you show us absolutely nothing, we can't we can't just allow you a pass anymore. Well, like, well, you know, all of a sudden when you see guys like Malik Jefferson running with the ones yeah. at the OTAs, and you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, where's number fourteen? Why, why, why am I seeing, you know, Devin Harper and Malik Jefferson and and others, you know, running with the ones and you know and Jabril Cox, you know, not getting the the opportunities that you know I feel like that that he he needs to to have in order to make this team. Next name here and a guy who uh, came from that same draft class and a guy who's entering year three, a big year for him. Uh, and somebody that I think, again, they love the traits. They just want to see him put it together. That's Simi Fajoko. He's, he's definitely somebody that's on the bubble this year. But again, you want to talk about size, speed, all those different, you know, uh, measurements that you want. Fajoko has all those. They're just waiting for him to, I think, put it together. He's definitely on the bubble. Should I be including on the bubble, Brian? Cavante Turpin, and then a name we just mentioned. Do you think Tolbert is legitimately on the bubble? I think all three of those receivers that you mentioned, and man, it would be a real shock. I could see them moving on from Fajoko more quickly than Tolbert. I don't think they ever viewed Fajoko as a second-round pick. They've viewed Jalen Tolbert, and you and I have documented that well on these shows, that there was a point in time where they were, you know, and we were all on board too. I know I had a third-round grade on it myself, yeah. but we, when he came out of South Alabama there, we were, we were adamant about the pick. And I, I there's a side of me, it's like, damn, I feel terrible for – talking about this guy at a level where I felt like that he could come in. And it was the first couple of practices. He looked okay. And then after that, it just fell completely apart. So I don't know if he is on the bubble bubble. I think Fajoko is on the bubble. I think think they want Fajoko to show up and be a better version of Noah Brown. You know, that's what I think they really want. Uh, Simi Fajoko to be and, and not be a guy that 
has good two weeks of practice and then all of a sudden gets banged up and can't do anything and then falls completely behind. So I think the I think the the and you mentioned Turpin too. Yeah, you know, Turpin got a little bit more run with the first and second offense uh, uh, under the uh, the Brian Schottenheimer administration when it came to the OTAs and minicamps more than he did under Ke- uh, Kellen Moore. So it'll be interesting to see when we get out there, can he prove that he could be a very capable uh, fifth or sixth receiver? We know what kind of returner he is, but can he make this team legitimately as a wide receiver? Another name that is on here, another guy they uh, invested some draft capital in who's been a disappointment to this point, uh, it's Josh Ball. Yeah. I think is a guy who's <laughs> definitely here in, in the uh, in the bubble category. What I'm a little curious about, Brian, is two names that I want to know if you think they're bubble guys. And and it's with keeping in mind the names, HaHa Clinton Dix, Jasper Brinkley, George Iloka, is that the Cowboys do have a history of adding safety nets to their their team, signing veterans, who they then say, we are free to walk away from these guys at the end of camp if we don't feel like they're they're making an impact. And they did it with all three of those guys. So in your opinion, do you think Ronald Jones and Chuma Idoga could be double guys? Yeah, I I think so too. I think that if if you look at the running back situation, the one thing I know working for Steven Jones is he does not want to just to keep veteran players to keep veteran players around. And what happens is there's always that worry when all of a sudden you show that if you show that Davis can handle the load and Deuce Vaughn can handle the load and you know Pollard is going to be here, why do you keep Jones around? You know, yeah. is Jones is Jones then becomes an injury settlement waiting to happen, you know, and I don't think that really is what, you know, Stephen Jones and Adam Pacifica and those guys in the in the front office want to have to deal with. So, yeah, the any any one of those guys that is a veteran player that all of a sudden we see them not getting a lot of work or they're late in those preseason games, then that they're potentially for that, that we need to move on because, again, Steven doesn't want to have to injury settle a guy or any of that if, if they're going to just move on from him. But they're all veteran players that, that they, they brought in to protect themselves and, you know, and, and can move on from him at, uh, at, a, at the right moment if need be. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Love of the Star mailbag. Got a few questions in here. Uh, First one from DJ Rocket. He's asking, is there any chance undrafted free agent TJ Bass makes this team, do you think? You know, it's funny. I was looking down at the names of guys that could compete for spots, and TJ Bass was one of those guys that – I know I had him on my draft board. I know I had him as a late round. I was surprised the kid didn't get drafted, to be honest with you, uh, you know, uh, out of Oregon there. And the fact that he could play some guard. And if early in camp, if we're kind of going through that period of, oh, wait, Zach Martin has missed this practice or missed that practice or, you know, they're giving him rest or trying to get, you know, TJ TJ Bass was one of those guys that I kind of felt like that the organization liked 
And, you know, when you watched him in the OTAs and the mini camp, he was getting some opportunity. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, could he outplay, like we said, could he outplay Adoga? Could he outplay Josh Ball? Could he, you know, I mean, maybe you have a young group of like awesome Richards, uh, Matt Willetsko, and and TJ Bass could be you know, like that young group. Maybe, maybe he's the if they carry ten guys, that he's the tenth guy that uh, that they 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 keep on that roster for the offensive line. So yeah, yes, I think that, he does have a possibility. Yes, absolutely, he does. I, I think definitely. I think if if you've got an undrafted free agent offensive lineman who's young and is showing you ability um, and is showing you flashes, I don't. Th- I, I think the Cowboys wouldn't hesitate to say, "Well, if this is going to come down to Chumi Doga's spot or TJ Bass, yeah, let, let we kind of know what Doga is, even if we we did bring him in mm-hmm. here." Let's not risk letting this guy go because we already know what Edoga is. This guy's showing us some flashes. I think that let's, that would be something. Let's also think about Bass too, Bobby. If he's one of those guys that does show up, but Adogas look good too, there could be. We, we like to use the word around here surplus. Maybe yeah. that's it. And there's a guy that you know he didn't like. I mentioned he didn't get drafted, but maybe there were some teams that thought about him late in the draft. And all of a sudden, you're you're looking for a linebacker depth, or a running back depth, or another position depth. Maybe your offense and defensive linemen then become those those uh, those pieces that you can move to go get you know that surplus piece to go get somebody else. Uh, next question here from Mike Hill. He says, with the changes on the offensive staff, what differences might we see in formations, use of motion, and personnel? Uh, I, so first off, I'll, I'll just give a couple things that stand out to me before we do that. Um, in terms of personnel, I think you are going to see more. I think there's a shot of fullback makes this team. Yeah, me too. I think, that, yeah. I think Mike McCarthy's Hunter Lipke's got a good shot. Yeah, Hunter yeah. Lipke's got a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Mike McCarthy is naturally going to be more likely to use a fullback than Kellen Moore was going to be. Kellen Moore, uh, his biggest influence early in his career was Scott Linehan. And Scott Linehan is often cited as one of the people who really tried to modernize the single back, you know, offense and then kind of take fullbacks off the field a little bit. And so that is is one thing that you will probably see as a change. In terms of motion, I know people were always asking for more from Kellen Moore. And I know that, you know, plenty of West Coast systems incorporate motion and use that sort of stuff. If you go back and look at Mike McCarthy's history, he was not always one to use motion. Now, one thing you can say, Aaron Rodgers has given interviews several times before where he says he does not he like does not want mo- He does not like motion. He wants static. He wants to be able right. to look at it and know what he's got. Right. And so because of that, that may have been why Mike McCarthy's offenses were more like that. It's because he was deferring to his quarterback. Um, but we don't know. That may be Mike McCarthy's philosophy as well. Um, so not sure how that'll play out here in Dallas, but the evidence we have from Green Bay was they didn't run a lot of motion. They were not, you know, at the top of the league in that. Um, they they like to keep things kind of static. But other than that, Brian, anything else that you think stands out maybe in a personnel difference or anything other than fullback and maybe a little more static? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you'll maybe see a lot more maybe 12 personnel stuff too. You yeah. Know? I mean, everybody, it, it you know, when you're trying to figure out what an offense is going to do, the the really the buzz phrase two three four years ago was about motion, you know motion, and then it became play action, and then it became, you know I me personally I think the biggest changes that we're going to see in camp, to be honest with with this offense, Bobby, is trying to establish some type of deceptives game, and I mean deceptives, I mean screens. They have got to they have got to develop something or a way to get the ball in these running backs' hands, you know? They've got to figure out a way to get Deuce Vaughn in, the, in space or get, uh, you know, to get Davis in space, you know, get Pollard in space, you know? They, they, we're, going to, we're going to be watching practice, and I guarantee you there's going to be periods of them practicing running screens, you know, this team just—it was—it was one of the worst teams in the league last, you know, last two three years when it came to running screen passes. So yeah. to me, I could see a difference of trying 
to incorporate more of those deceptives in this offense as we're going forward. 12 personnel, deceptives, fullback, those will be the biggest difference of this when your offense is on the field, I think. Next question here from James. He says, what do you think are the top two questions the Cowboys are hoping to get answered during training camp? And Brian, I don't know about you. I think uh, number one is, I mean, honestly, it's probably three. There's three of them, I would guess. Number one to me is they got to figure out what their offensive line combination is going to look like. So that's the yeah. big thing for them. They want to know who who's going to fit in where. I don't know that they know for sure what they're going to do yet. I think they are going to open this up to a little bit of competition. Yep. Um, they, they obviously want to make sure their kicker spot is solidified. Right. That, that's a big part of it. And then if you want to just drill down to a specific player, I think they really – they really want to get some answers on Jalen Tolbert, who we've talked about today already. I think you nailed all three, Bobby. Really I really do. Yeah, I do. I feel like you know you need to figure out you need to figure out what's this offensive line going to look like with Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard. Is Farniak the backup? You know what's happening with uh, what's happening with Steele on the right tackle. You know they've got to figure out the combination that they're going to go with uh, for that offensive line. I, I totally agree with you about uh, the Jalen Tolbert stuff. I totally agree with you about that. We talked about that earlier. There is going to be a real push to see, you know, I, I, I don't think there's going to be problems with Lamb or Cooks. Gallup, we'll see about trying to get him going. But they really need to find out about Jalen Tolbert if he could be the legitimate four here. And if that's the case, then it's good for the team. And then we're going to have a kicking competition. You know, which one of these kickers in a, on a windy day where, you know, we're there in, in Oxnard and we all know how when they kick field goals, that wind can come over the top of those trees. It can make kickers look really bad. It could blow the ball all over the place. It's a really kind of a neat kicking environment just for testing your kicker. Yeah. And I think you're going to learn a lot about – uh, those attempts not only will be monitoring, and I guarantee you, people will be tweeting about them. Myself, Todd Archer, everybody involved. Oh, well, he was seven of eight. No, they were six of yeah. nine. They were the misses came from you know. Every time there's a kicking situation, a competitive kicking situation, somebody is going to be charting kicks, and I think that will determine who your kicker is going into. Uh, or into the fall, or it might not be either one of the guys that are on the uh, the field like we saw last year. You know, it was a late it was a late ad with Brett Maher that you know won the kicking job. It wasn't you know he wasn't initially there at camp, so we'll see how it plays. And then uh, last question here from Randall Walker. Brian, what are some of your all-time favorite storylines that popped up in the middle of camp that you weren't necessarily expecting? So as an example, he says, you know, Cole Beasley's story his rookie year. Yeah. Um, a guy that, that kind of came on the scene. Is there any story that stands out for you as like, hey, that was that was kind of cool when that guy came along? Well, while you get that one together, I'll tell you the one that stands out to me instantly that in recent memory where it was like, hey, that was kind of cool. You didn't you never expected it. And this guy came along and contributed to for you for a couple years, was when Antoine Woods got into camp. And, and, you know, made an impression really early at the one yeah. and then stayed here as a contributor for two years where Antoine Woods, they gave him number 64, which that's kind of, you know, they're yeah. not expecting you to make the roster when they throw you that number of defensive tackles. So I remember nobody was talking about Antoine Woods. They thought he could have been a first round of cuts kind of guy because nobody really knew anything about him for him to step up and, and be somebody who contributed for this defense for two years. Uh, that was that was a cool one to see, and and he was always somebody that I thought was easy to root for because of his personality and everything. Yeah, no, I I think that that, that one to me is a is a really 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 good one because I remember Nate Newton giving him the nickname the Human Log, you mm-hmm. know, and and he was a very difficult guy uh, to move. I mean, there's been there's been guys that have shown up at training camp before, and you know I. I think about, you know, it always seemed like there was always a wide receiver. You know, there was always somebody that, uh, you know, that all of a sudden you're like, you know, wow, where did this, you know, where, where was this guy on the board? Where was, well, you know, hell, 
Tony Romo was that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, Tony Romo was when I, I know I was working in scouting at the time, and you know, Chris Hall did a great job of of keeping Romo's tag right there in the fifth round on the board. You know, and I was thinking about you know where he where he started, and you know, there was a lot of like for Tony Romo, but. You didn't know how he was going to perform. Patrick Creighton was another one. Creighton's you know, Pat, a great name. Pat Patrick Creighton was a name of a guy that, you know, you really, you know, it was one of those, you didn't know what you were really going to get in Patrick Creighton. Yeah. You had an idea about Patrick Creighton and what he potentially, Miles Austin. I mean, you could just kind of go through the the names. I mean, Jim. You know, Barry, you know one they missed. One they were really high on in training camp, and then he didn't make the roster, and he had a great career after that. Jimmy Smith. Well, Jimmy Smith. That goes way, way back. Yeah, that goes way back. That was the second. He was considered a bust. He was a second round bust. Yeah, he, he was. No, Danny Amendola. That yeah. was a guy who they had in camp, and they they liked it. And Terrell Owens, I remember, referred to him at a training camp interview one time, called him the human water bug, and he's yeah. like, he just he's so shit, you can't do. Like, he's yeah. so shit, you can't get him, and then he. Got least and then he ended up making an impact around the league but those are the kind of stories that are always good I, it always I, seems like it's it always seems like it's uh it always seems like it's a guy that was a late pick that you weren't even really thinking about or somebody that that was a like I said that you know Miles Austin was Jim Garrett you know Monmouth College, you know, backyard of Jim Garrett, you know, and worked with the kid and all that. And then, you know, he ends up having this, you know, having a pretty decent career. But it, yeah. it, it, it seems like there was always – but Antoine Woods is a really good one too because nobody was really, really sure. It's when you're really not sure. You're like, well, okay, let's let's bring this guy in and see how he plays. And the next thing you know, he's like – like he's contributing as a starter, which is pretty impressive. I'll tell you, he didn't he didn't get a lot of praise in training camp at the time, but in terms of wow, he made the roster, and then wow, he's starting. This wasn't good. The guy who turned it around, if you want to look at the the ten thousand foot view, that was Terrence Steele. I didn't even know if Terrence. Steele I know was that's that in twenty twenty. Yeah, Terrence and, and, Steele. And they stuck with him, and he's a good player now. Terrence Steele was so poor in that Senior Bowl. You know, with the way he played and all that, and you're just kind of like, man, you got to give him a lot of credit. And I, I trust me, that when I go to the lake one day when I'm done doing all this, and someone's going to ask me about that, they're going to say, "What's the guy you really were the most wrong about?" Terrence Steele is going to come to the forefront of my my names of of guys, because, like I said, you know, they missed him at right tackle. They really, and if they talk about moving him to guard or someplace else, you know, shame on them, because he, he's a right tackle. He might not be the strongest, but him and Zach Martin together makes that running game better on that side. And if you could throw a guy like Luke Schoonmaker over there too, and they all work together, you're gonna have some. You're gonna get some push off that right side uh, with those three guys working together. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. And the next time we come to you guys, we will be in Oxnard, California. Uh, there to update you about the practices, the Jerry Press Conference, whatever else is going on. There's always, uh, there, there's never a shortage of storylines out there. We'll have a lot to talk about. We're all looking forward to it. Uh, until next time, for Brian Broaddus, I am Bobby Bell. We will talk to you guys later.